Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations and joins us live in studio for the weekly update. Mr. Honline, welcome to the show. Good morning. Good morning to you. What a challenging week, to say the least. Just after we left the air last week, all the rumors that have been flying early Friday morning were unfortunately confirmed about the kidnapping of Eyal, Gilad, and Naftali. Um, basically, and I, and I guess, I don't know if this is a fair thing to say to you, because I'm sure you're more in the know than anybody else is in this country, but as far as the average uh, a person is uh, concerned, like myself, there's not much more that we know a week later than we knew last Friday morning when we first heard the news. So, in all fairness, I have to ask the question, is there an update? Is there any new information that you could tell us? There's no real uh, hard information that I know of, and this is being held as it should be, very close to the vest by those involved. Uh, you know that there have been many arrests. You know that there are operations going on around the clock. Uh, I think there are already many side effects of this. I think the Hamas infrastructure in the West Bank uh, has been broken in Judea and Samaria. The the arrests of almost 200 uh, people uh the the Hamas clearly has been moving ahead since the quote unity pact to establish itself and gain greater greater uh, credibility and presence in the areas and the territories and I think what Israel has done has set that back greatly I think Mr Abbas ought to be sponsoring all of this because he's the major beneficiary you know that more than 50 of the people released in the Gilad Shalit deal have been arrested uh, over these uh, over the last few days and the consequences of this i think are going to be much longer felt it is very strange that no one has taken credit and no one has made a demand this is very unusual in such circumstances this was clearly a professional operation sophisticated it does not appear to have been haphazard we have to remember that there were almost 60 attempts to kidnap people since last January, January 2013, right. and uh, unfortunately uh, this one succeeded. So God. if we've seen people or rumors online that someone has taken credit, that's simply not accurate? No. The, because I, there have been names floating around of groups that have taken credit. Well, there are names of people who are allegedly involved in it, leaders of Hamas that Israel has identified, but I think the names that came out, the, originally the ISIS, the group that's operating now in or ISIL, as it was known, um, took credit for it, but there's no evidence that that is true. And, you know, you always have in circumstances like this where people who have absolutely nothing to do with the the incident will, you know, if, in, try to put their name forward, right. take advantage of the situation. couple of quick things. Um, there's a rumor that one of the people Israel arrested is a key member that with the proper interrogation, he would likely be able to give over information. Is this, again, one of those rumors out there? Are they holding someone, in fact, who might hold all the information inside about the whereabouts of these three boys? Uh, I think it is true that there are several key people, including one I know that the one you're referencing, uh, have been arrested. I do think that they have uh, increasing amounts of information. Remember what happened with Nachshon Wax, with, uh, with Waxman, you know, what happened in other incidents where... There they actually went in with a rescue attempt. Yes, but he was killed before right. they did. So I think they're trying to do everything possible here to assure the safe rescue of the three and to um, take the, uh, and make sure 
that everything that led to this point, meaning the increasing ability of Hamas to operate openly because of the, quote, pact with uh, Fatah, the fact that the Palestinian forces, security forces, were much more reluctant and hesitant to act against them, and they were holding public rallies. They were becoming much more visible and recruiting. So that this, I think, uh, by the actions taken by taking the leadership out of uh, out of the territories, and I think you won't see another prisoner swap for a long time. Oh, boy. Malcolm Holmline is here. Your question's coming up. Um, the the reaction of the Jewish world to all of this, it, as as much as we expect that there would be unity, prayer rallies, get-togethers, the Jewish people have uh, feel as if they've been stabbed in the heart collectively um, uh, with this episode, and they're reacting that way, uh, taking to the streets, arranging rallies, unifying from right to left. The way I put it is anybody whose eyes are are toward the east it seems that anybody in that group has galvanized to the point where they are ready to gather with anybody to just pray together and rally together i think first you have to look at the situation in israel where some people say they are fractious i, I don't know that that there are divisions in israel but uh, <laughs> assuming that there are <laughs> along political religious and every other line possible the fact is that the country is as one it's Ishachad Belevachad. The people have come together. They tell me the amazing uh, gatherings. You saw the picture of the Knesset. You had people from every faction saying Tehillim together, led by Yuli Edelstein, who happens to, to be in, the, in mourning for his wife, and uh, Davins for the Ahmed in, in the leads of services at the Knesset in the afternoon. Uh, the remarkable gatherings that have taken place all over Israel and all over the United States. And hundreds and hundreds of events. And people said, why isn't there a big rally? Because this is more effective. We want everybody to be involved. This is an opportunity for, for people to understand, to be reminded of what achdut unity means, what, what it means to be part of the Jewish people and many non-Jews. That this is, you know, even Abbas said these are human beings. He told the Arab League these are, uh, you know, and that uh, they are like us and that you have to, we have to rescue them. He has his own agenda, but the the comment is true that we we see uh, the hesitancy on the part of so much of the world to react with the strength that this should have required. Groups that that most countries designate Hamas a terrorist organization, yet they continue to fund aid after the unity government. They did not put conditions. They didn't make demands. One of the pledges that Hamas made was that they would end violence and terrorism. So. I don't know why Abbas needs to wait to see the outcome of this. Clearly, they violated it. You know, they seized hundreds and hundreds of weapons in, uh, in uh, quote, Nablus, as was reported. Hundreds of weapons. They've seized explosives. They've seized other you know, material. And that's just what they've been able to discover. So the, the unity, I think, of people, when, when uh, they tell me in the streets, everybody keeps asking about our boys, and they can be far from the same stream as, as they were, but they were totally innocent. And it's disgusting to me that people said, why, why were they hitchhiking and all of this? They were hitchhiking at a set place where people do it all day long. They, they, the guy supposedly had an Israeli license plate or had some other entrapment. We, we Looked like a regular. We will find out, but... Uh, uh, someone told me, you know, that they, that uh, their relative was very concerned about it, so he told his kids they couldn't hi- uh, 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 hitchhike, and they said, well, we'll never get home. 
because there's very right. limited bus services area. So he said, okay, you can only do it if you ask the bus driver what the parsha of the week, uh, the uh, car driver, what's the parsha of the week. Because they can look, they can put on a yarmulke, they can put on the lavuzda garments, they can do all of that. But if they don't know the parsha of the week, you got a pretty good guess. The- and uh, 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 But I do think and I hope that this, the unity that we've seen emerge can help us in, in the future. And that the gatherings should continue, they shouldn't stop. You know, it's it's very hard. People get frustrated because they don't feel there's anything they can do. Their prayers do matter. The, the demonstration of unity does matter. The people of Israel draw strength from it, and they know everything that goes on here. And on a higher level, we know the results as well. Uh, Malcolm Holmline is here, 201-209-9368, 201-209-9368. You can email us, but the uh, priority way of getting to us this morning is through the NSN app. The comment section you'll find on the home screen. You know, I have three 16-year-olds. A lot of people know that. And I, I don't even want to tell you how I feel when I just right. consider the situation if it was... So I don't know how these parents in Israel are doing. I don't and know. And the strength they demonstrated. It's unbelievable. The, if you look at their interviews and when they came together, I don't know how anybody with even the smallest heart or conscience did not break down looking at that, seeing the faces of these innocents... And then the mother gets up and thanks the IDF, she thanks the security services, she's, she's full of confidence and bitachon, she trusts that God will, will deliver. I mean, it's just such an amazing uh, demonstration uh, and I, I think it's the strength that has enabled us to survive through the ages. And I think she's inspired so many people in Israel and around the world. It's really remarkable. 201-209-9368, questions. For Malcolm Holmline, you already answered the question that came in regarding what we can do. You're saying just keep it up. Keep and also they should make sure that their Congress people have spoken out, make sure that the, the efforts to say that we're not going to give any aid until this clarification uh, uh, was a mistake, I think, in the beginning when, we, when the United States said they would recognize or work with this uh, new technocrat government, but that uh, said we will give aid and then we'll monitor what they do. It should have been we'll monitor what they do and then we'll determine if they deserve any aid. I think right now everything has to be put on hold till we see that they actually cooperate, that this that the uh, Hamas Fatah unity deal is broken, as Abbas said, when it's it's demonstrated and I think Netanyahu would not have gone so far out on the limb if they didn't have hard evidence of Hamas's involvement. So it's not so outrageous when someone gets on the air or any other forum and says that that those public officials that claim to be Jewish leaders and claim to always be out there when it comes to Israel and Jewish causes should in fact be asking Washington to link this to financial uh, to the to the financial uh, uh, consequences with the PA. I think first the political consequences, that the message has to be very clear. They have to be clear expressions. And, uh, you know, a, a young Arab boy, Israeli Arab, did a video. I don't know if you saw it, mm. but it was truly remarkable where he says, today it's them, tomorrow it's me and it's you. And he said, we've got to cut off their head. We've got to stop this Hamas operation. And he brandished an Israeli flag and he said, I'm an Israeli Arab. I'm proud to be Israeli. I want this to be a Jewish and democratic state, etc." And we have to have more people come out and say, you know what? It couldn't be a clear division. Here they kidnap our children. They try to kidnap 60 times innocent people. They, they kill. Israel treats Hania's granddaughter in an Israeli hospital. His mother-in-law the week before comes to Israel for treatment. Abbas's wife treated that week in his, along with thousands of others from Gaza, uh, Hamas 
members, Hamas uh, families, who come to Israel for treatment. And Israel allows them to come in and allows them to get the treatment. That's the difference. And if they couldn't be more starkly represented, and I think that the world has to finally say no more, no more tolerance, no more excuses. Just think, if IS, if Hamas had, had been in charge in the West Bank, which might have been the case if it weren't for the IDF right. stopping them, and they linked up with ISIS in Iraq, Jordan's gone. Mm-hmm. The whole balance in the Middle East would change because Hamas and ISIS are the same. They're just as brutal as one another. They have the same ideology. They they are, are peas in a pod. And we have to show the world what the, what we're really up against, what the nature of Hamas is. And and they can't be always the excuse. Abbas is better than the alternatives. This one now. Abbas has to show he's better than the alternative. Now's the test. And I have to say his speech to the Arab League was was a stronger statement as uh, one could expect from him. But the actions on the ground are what counts. And and you cannot make a pact with the devil. You can't have the kind of Hamas-Fatah uh, agreement. And the world just says, okay, so that we'll go along. And you can put up a sham technocrat government that has no influence and, and, and just as an excuse. On the other hand, we have to remember also the consequences that if the PA collapses, there's a tremendous burden that falls on Israel because it is under international responsible. What, what that responsibility, all that has to be determined, but Israel has reservations. That's why it continued to turn over money just before it cut off the money to, uh, to the, to, to Fatah and to the Palestinian Authority. So all these issues are so complicated and especially given the events in the region, which are, are so far beyond most people's, you know, understanding unless you really For sit sure. and read day in and day out. Uh, it's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 FM and around the world on the web, jmnam.org. And I remind you that the, uh, uh, the best way to reach us is through our app, the NSN app. In the comments section, you can put in your questions as people continue to do. Let's try to go in order here. There are a lot of them. It appears, and you just addressed this, but, actually, but let's give credit to the uh, uh, to the listener. It appears to me that Abbas's comments were positive. Do you believe they were genuine or alternatively just meant for Western audiences? Well, it was before an Arab audience, so this time it was not just for Western audiences. The, the questioner is right that often what they right. say in Arabic is not what they say in English. Uh, but in this case, uh, he went before the Arab League to say it. Um, please comment, says the next uh, listener, on the lack of a strong comment from the White House and State Department, especially since an American citizen is being held hostage. We were always told that citizenship in the USA has its privileges, meaning they'd stand up for you no matter where you were around the world. Well, they do, and uh, and even if you're not citizens, as we saw in the case of the girls right. being held by Boko Haram, that America speaks up, and I know that many people are disappointed and the members of Congress, others have been pressing the administration to be stronger. They issued a tweet, I think, the other day. Kerry's statements uh, have been stronger, but uh, I think that the administration's response has not been sufficient, and we hope that there will be stronger statements. But the cooperation with Israel on the ground has been strong. The, the Israel, United States has offered its assistance in whatever it can do. To, to the government of Israel in the search for uh, those responsible. 201-209-9368. You're on the air with Malcolm Holmline. Good morning. Good morning. You're on. Go ahead. Yes. Good morning, gentlemen. My question today has to do with um, President Obama's national security team, specifically John Kerry, Secretary of State, Chuck Hagel, Secretary of Defense, Susan Rice, National Security Advisor, 
Samantha Power, U.N. Ambassador, Martin Dempsey, Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, John Brennan, Director of CIA, Robert Malley, Senior Director of National Security Council. And your question is? My question is, Mr. Holmline, is if you were approached by... (coughs) (coughs) Sorry about that. If you were approached by a a new president, whoever it might be, and they said, Mr. Holmline, we were looking for your counsel... We want to uh, assemble our national security team, but we don't, don't want to be seen as anti-Israel in any way. Could you advise us um, regarding some people to stay away from and devising our team? My question to Mr. Holmline is, could you come up with a better list to avoid than President Obama's current national security team? <laughs> <laughs> that was an answer, not a question. Uh Look, I think you can't lump them all together. I think each one uh, is different. Uh, I, I don't know that anyone would have anticipated that we would be saying that Chuck Hagel has proven to be the best friend in the administration, but he actually has proven a very positive. Israeli defense minister, the Israeli chief staff, others praise the cooperation that exists today between Israel and the United States on a on intelligence level, a military level, the security level, the joint exercises, Juniper Copra, that have been going on. So I think we have to be very careful about uh, lumping people together and, and looking at each individual role. This administration is different, though, and as is each administration. They have their own style, their own culture. Overall, I'm not talking now just about the individuals. And the truth is that all the power in this administration rests in the White House. And uh, while others have roles, the fact is that decisions, key decisions, are made by the president. Bush was a master delegator. In this administration, it's much more arrogated to the to the White House and centralized. Uh, Samantha Power, uh, about whom I know many people have questions, has been a good ambassador to the U.N. I know she's worked closely with uh, Ron Prosor, Israel's ambassador uh, to the United Nations. And many people in the administration share the frustration that in the que- inherent in the question uh, that you asked. And I think that the numbers and the assessment of the American people about the success in foreign policy uh, reflect that, that uh, concern as well. So it is, uh, you know, this is something that we judge the day after they go out of office uh, and and look to the next administration will have its own team and its own problems. One of our commenters on the end, thank you for your question, 201-209-9368. This commenter says, to Malcolm. May Hashem grant him many healthy and happy years to continue his good work. Amen. There you go. Thank you very much. By the way, yesterday we're at the UN, part of Talk Radio, mm-hmm. the fascinating experience. You and I could talk about this over lunch for three hours, and now that I was there for a minuscule amount of time. Can we call you ambassador? <laughs> I could ask you a million questions about your dealings, because you've been in that building a million times. Mm-hmm. A couple of things. We had a representative from UNESCO. They are pleading that Israel and the United States get back into funding UNESCO. Right. And, 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 and that, that, uh, that is an important message because of, you know, there are still 15 applications outstanding on the part of the PA. They have not withdrawn those. And, uh, and, and the. Meaning from other groups, you mean? To other member agencies right. of the United Nations. Right. So, uh, UNESCO. And because of what happened with UNESCO, the others are pleading with the Palestinians not to apply because they know that Congress will move to cut off aid to them as well. Just remind everybody, Palestine is a member of UNESCO. 
well, they have recognized Palestine, right. and so because of the vote at the UN, the others will do the same. Right. Uh, they've applied to the International Criminal Court. Uh, I think they're going to be very hesitant in the end to do it because, you know, it works both ways. They have to know that it's a two-way street, and they could be sitting in the docket for war crimes, including all these rockets that are flying now. These are war crimes. It's an international border. It's a recognized border. You notice the world has not condemned Israel for its responses when the flights now are taking off and, and doing pinpoint bombing and very carefully done. But it's because people recognize it's an international border. You can't keep saying to Israel, you know, if only you do this. They did it. And now they have to respond, and this is their obligation to protect uh, the people, right. the citizens, innocent civilians living uh, on the border areas. And unfortunately, we've seen quite a few rockets over the last uh, couple of days. My point, one of my points being that uh, we're so used to definitive statements about this. I said to the man, who, by the way, smartly knew his audience. He knew he was on this radio show, knew who he was talking <laughs> to. He also started with, you know, uh, 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 proper uh, um, expressions of sympathy for what's happening in Israel right now and all that. But he did give, and I said this to him on the air, gave us food for thought. I'm not saying I agreed with him or would, you know, encourage Congress to uh, revert what they did. But, you know, certainly, as you always say, you know, we walk into shul, everybody all of a sudden is, is you know, general of the Israeli army. These are such complicated issues. And Israel was elected a vice chairman of the Committee on Palestinian Issues, despite vile comments by some of the Arab states at the debate. And Ron Prosor, very courageous presentation. So, you know, there are strange things that happen even at the United Nations once in a while. That's true. 201-209-9368. You're on with Malcolm. Good morning. Good morning, it's Devar Leitner. Um, I just want to say that every Friday, the one part about the show that I love is the Malcolm Homeline part, where where I enjoy Nachum's questions sometimes more than the answers, but you answer everything. There's nothing that you don't answer. How do you know so much? <laughs> now that's a reason enough for you to be here today. Reveal how you know so much. Come on. <laughs> Well, I enjoy his questions, too. Sometimes I don't understand them, but I enjoy, I enjoy them. We pray that I understand them. Uh, look, the truth is, I live this 24-7. I'm privileged, even though I'm Shomer Shabbat, but I, I uh, live this all the time. Uh, and I believe that I'm privileged to be able to do full-time what most other people, including most of the listeners who care and are deeply devoted to Israel, to the Jewish people, can only do part-time. And you know, after doing it for so many decades and for this is my academic training, but also my orientation to and God gave me one quality, perhaps the I can't sing, dance, draw, play an <laughs> instrument. I can't do anything else. Thank but I but I do have a sense about these about analyzing and, and perceiving. And as you know, if you listen regularly about anticipating, I mean, you know, ISIS is not something that just came about. Uh, I talked two years ago about the danger of these guys, the foreigners fighting in Syria. Now you see every day another far, another prime minister coming out and all of a sudden morning, including John Miller, the deputy commissioner of police in New York, uh, a, a remarkable guy working with uh, Commissioner Bratton. And he warned in Congress yesterday that there are at least 100 Americans. Well, I think the number is higher, but they're, they're facing up to it and trying to, to address it. 
but the, the the French admitted to 800, the British to 300 or, or 400 rather, the Australians to 300, and I guarantee you the numbers are higher because they don't know for sure. But they're all issuing statements now about something we discussed a long time ago. And by the way, if you listen to any recording of a conversation we had in the early 1990s, you're warning the entire world about Islamic fundamentalism. fundamentalism. I mean, that's true. People come years to me all before, the time who years, I, who maybe a decade before, nuts, and you know, and and I know that it's not always good news. And and I, I appreciate the uh, question that it, it, people are hesitant to hear. And I I admit that I tone it down sometimes because if you say it too tough, people can't be can't receive it. It's too hard to mm. to to take. And what I, we wanted to do, and when Nachum and I uh, discussed this. We want people on Shabbos to talk to their kids, to their families about it. That's why doing it on a Friday when people will still be fresh in their minds that they could sit down tonight at the table and tomorrow you have a long day to talk to the kids, talk to your families about these things, educate them about them. This is our future. There's so much at stake. You see it now. And, you know, Jimmy Carter used to call me at home uh, every once in a while when he was president. And then he, he once said to me, gee, you really follow this great detail. I said, Mr. President, when it comes to life and death, nothing is is, is insignificant. And he said, Oh, God bless you, God bless you. I said, I didn't sneeze. No, uh, uh, but the the fact is that every one of these things is of really great significance, and unfortunately, that's sometimes the frustration that we don't see the Western governments taking it seriously, demonstrating the strength in response, showing that they understand what are the consequences of each of the moves that that we're seeing now. What we're seeing, Nahum, for instance, in Syria, which we talked about months and months ago, is a fundamental reshaping of the whole Middle East. Do you know that the Syrians issued new identity cards now to all their people? Why? Because now a million and a half people in Jordan, a million and a half in Lebanon, not coming back because they don't have identity cards anymore that are valid. He's trying to rid the country of these Sunnis, of the people who left, saying, you're there, you're staying there. Now, what does this do to Lebanon? First of all, it's a threat to Hezbollah because you have all these Sunnis. But what does it do to Jordan when a million and a half people who, who, who came in? What does this do now? How, how does the balance between the various factions, the Palestinians, for instance, uh, are out-migrating from, uh, from the West Bank and the, the whole issue of Palestine as Jordan is diminished because of the Palestinian role in Jordan. The Palestinian refugee camps are being demolished in Syria as we talk. He has taken over whole Sunni areas under the guise of rehabilitation. I remember when Ceausescu, Romania, used to knock down whole blocks, block after block in, in central Bucharest. Knock them down and put in stakes in the ground and then move on. Because it was an excuse to, to clear these areas and no intention of really building and I don't, and I'm sure by now they have. But, but, uh, Assad's doing this to reshape the nature of the population of Syria, that he's making it a Shiite Alawite state or dominant. When you have, uh, what you see with the ISIS, what we see with the, the other terrorist, uh, or, or organizations, this is a fundamental shift, and it means Libya, it means other countries are going to be affected. I mean, I could go on for How's a How's Jordan time. going to deal, what is that, like 25% of their population? A million and a half people? How many people yes, live in Jordan? It's, more, like it's well over 20 million, million, and it's growing all the time, and it, we, we don't know all the exact numbers. And by the way, you know, Iran has been carrying out a campaign for a long time inside Syria, converting Sunnis to Shiism. It's a word for it, it's called uh, Tashayu, I think which is this convergence. So Saudi Arabia comes in and gives money to try and counter it. They support ISIS. Why? Because it has nothing to do with Syria. It has to do with Iran. 
every one of these things. There are layers upon layer upon layer. And unfortunately, too many policymakers, other people, don't take the time. They're so overwhelmed. They look at all these things to understand because you can't deal with Syria if you don't really understand the nature of the conflict. It's not Assad versus rebels. Now you have the whole Kurd issue. That could change things. ISIS establishes a state, a mini-state. It's bigger than Indiana. It's, it's bigger than Great Britain, the island of, of England, the area that they control today between Syria and Iraq. Hello? Three people realize how we're, we're changing the region? And it's not a surprise. When they took Fallujah, we should have known then. We should have acted then. We know what was happening and how they were, how were they building. And it's only a few thousand people. They came in with pickup trucks and, and machine guns. They didn't come in with with uh, uh, airplanes and helicopters and ta- fighting these guys. And the generals in Iraq took off their uniforms and ran. And we put trillions of dollars uh, uh, behind it. Meantime, Iran is now saying we're going to bring in people, we're going to you know, train them. They're already there. But is he going to take the guys off the borders of Iran? Is he going to take them out of, out of Syria? What happens when the Iraqi Shiites start leaving Syria? What happens to the Iranian offensive there and support for Assad? So this is the complication of each of these issues. And if people don't, you know, it's people come to me and they say, why don't? And they give some simple answer, which is well-meaning, but it's not relevant to the issue if you understand what the seriousness is. 201-209-9368. We'll get to Rabbi Yudin. Be patient, everybody. Hi, you're on the air with Malcolm. Good morning. Good morning, indeed. Um, Bruce Bernberg from Highland Park. I'll ask my question and then hang up because I get nervous on the No on problem. The air. Go ahead. Oh, no you problem. too? Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> so it seems to me that there is a um, relative free hand that the Israeli government and Netanyahu seems to have. He's acting... Um, with with uh, p- positive aggression towards Hamas, and doesn't seem to have been restrained as yet by the international community. And I'm wondering what you think the ingredients to that are. Is Israel playing the cards better than they have in the past? Is it the sympathy with kids? How do you understand um, that relative uh, free hand? And if I could add to that, if they are in the midst of this mission right now to eradicate um, uh, Hamas from the Judean hills, for instance... Uh, I would assume that this plan has been on the table for a long time. This is not something you can create, I don't think, in a week's time or in a, or in 48 hours. So if you could add that to the question as well, I'd appreciate it. Well, I think that that's, that's right. That uh, But Israel always has contingency plans. They don't, it's not because they want to exercise it. It's because they have to. And Israel's been operating all along in Yudon Shomron. It, it's not the uh, Palestinian forces that stopped most of the terrorist attacks, these kidnappings, and prevented it and had the intelligence. I mean, they give it to the Palestinians and, and Hamas, uh, uh, Abbas owes his existence to it. Then it's not his forces alone. There is cooperation, and we should acknowledge it, and it continues uh, straight across, but because it serves Palestinian purposes. It's not because they just they want to save Israelis. Now, to, to, to the uh, question, you're absolutely right. Israel has acted forcefully, didn't wait for you know, green lights from anybody. Uh, but I do think that the world responds when they see three innocent young men. Can't be accused of anything. They weren't in uniform. They weren't any. They, they were just <laughs> coming home from school to be with their families. The world sympathizes with that. It won't last. I, the criticism is already starting and will continue. You know, as once there are Palestinian victims, everybody will, will start shedding crocodile tears. Uh, the fact that Israel is, is doing what if the West should have done in the other areas in, in addressing, confronting, uh, terrorist organization, Hamas, uh, aided by Iran, uh, that has 
violated human rights of Palestinians, of Arabs, let alone uh, threatening and, and, and being, as I said before, no different than ISIS. So I think that, that when Israel has to make determination, you have to act, you have to do what's necessary. I think it's a lesson uh, Israel learned and, and demonstrated again this time and the expertise with which they carried it out. You know, when you have such a massive operation, and these are young guys who are going on their 18, 19-year-olds who are going into into people's homes, into house-by-house search in areas where I said they had huge stockpiles of weapons, explosives. I mean, it's a very dangerous uh, mission that they're, they're carrying out, and they're doing it with expertise, and as you said, clearly... Not a hap, just a sudden haphazard decision to 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 do this. That's when we pray for the three boys. We have to pray for the idea. And you have to pray for every soldier that's out there mm-hmm. whose whose life is is put at risk. So I don't know how long the honeymoon will last, but right now Israel has to take advantage of it and move. Malcolm, before we get to Rabbi Yudin, which we'll do in a minute, and then we'll continue with questions. Um, I hate to ask this question. Uh, are we in for the long haul? Is it? I mean, we know this is a long haul already. It's already a long haul. Yeah, I don't know how much longer. Nobody knows. Uh, look, Israel wants to, to wants a positive outcome. That's and they will do everything possible to achieve it. I wonder if we went back to the time that Gilad Shalit was kidnapped. Another very different, of course. And you discussed a minute ago some of the reasons why it's different, but. Um, it, it certainly, again, affected the collective Jewish heart around the world. It was Gaza made it different, uh, his soldier made it different, all the different things. But I wonder what we thought at that time, if we thought it would take as many years as it did, as many prisoners to be exchanged as it did. Uh, I don't remember what, what we thought in the first week of that episode. Do you have any clue looking back what the projection was or what the thoughts were of the Israeli government or the IDF chiefs? In well, that, each uh, time it's different because we never know what these crazy people will do or what's in their mind. Do they really want an exchange? Is it a PR thing? Are they trying to gain, for instance, Hamas? We think that this action was meant to gain support in the street. You know, they're facing off against Fatah. There's an election in a couple of months. They they want to obviously harm Israel, but they're trying to win favor also with their sponsors. Uh, Iran and others, you know, favor this. And, and there's belief that outside parties encourage them to to. Act, to carry out these kind of an actions to divert to do they have all sorts of agendas that that go on in in Gilad Shalit's case if you remember but they we knew who did it and they they made demands here right. they haven't had a single demand you haven't had no uh, word of uh, or claim of responsibility and no word about what they want so this is a very unique circumstance in that regard and of course we don't know what uh, what the situation is if we did uh Everybody would feel a little better. Just just a piece of information would make everyone feel right. a drop better at this point. Um, all right, Rabbi Yudin coming up. A reminder that uh, NCSY takes to the streets this coming Sunday at 11 a.m., 800 Second Avenue, across from the Israeli consulate, prayer service on behalf of Gilad, Elad, and Naftali. Kudos to Rockland County. You saw what happened last mm-hmm. night. Just one of a million, thank God. Exaggerating, of course, you get my point of these prayer services and all gatherings over the world, that are going on all over the New world. New York have been amazing. And didn't really get a definitive answer from you, but uh, those who are uh, adamant about the way some public officials have been uh, silent or near silent and not expressing the outrage that the collective Jewish heart around the world is feeling, uh, it might be legitimate criticism. It's more than that. I'm saying to you. I know. I, I, I'm trying. I'm trying to get to a point here. You know. No, I. I didn't say that. There I'm certain, saying I want everybody to write their congressmen. Correct. They haven't spoken. But up. there but more there, from the senators. More from elect officials. Some of them have been excellent, outstanding. I saw yesterday Greg Meeks' uh, yeah. uh, statement. 
First of all, statements I, 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 are good. I would hope all that, but I want it also translated into action. And uh, people like Nita Lowy, who's played such an important role in the appropriations, these are all people who can make a big difference, and they should hear it. They should get support. It's not criticism. Sometimes you have to show support and, and back them. At the same time, there are petitions on the White House uh, uh, petition line. I understand. People should sign, and if they get 100,000, it goes into the president. I understand. There are many opportunities, I'm saying. Correct. To make your voices heard but and sen- not to be complacent and say, I'm not saying at all that we should be satisfied with the response. I agree. But senators from 49 states other than New York can release statements. I believe leadership in New York, largest Jewish constituency, government leaders who claim to always be there for Israel, they need to be more vocal, more outraged, no, I agree. have more public outcry. When they gather for weekend press mm-hmm. conferences, I believe the first thing on their mind, especially if one happens to be a Jewish father or others, has to be the outrage that's being felt, again, by the collective Jewish community around the world. Well, I think, uh, that I, I mean, I know that they have all, that the certain air senators and some of the members of Congress have, not all, but also city officials have a voice, uh, governors right. have a voice in New York. They're not just another public official. Right. Scott Stringer right. held a pes- press conference, which I him. participated. Right. And it was very moving, and, and we had represented the Chinese uh, community, the Pakistani community, right. the archdiocese came out. It's Charlie Rangel was there. And Charlie Rangel right. made a, a very positive and strong statement. I think that this this is uh, essential that we be that everybody be heard from. It's not enough just to have performance statements. NCSY takes to the streets in support of the uh, four in support of the teens rather four teens. Uh, this uh, in support of the three teenagers, but they're calling it support for teens. You know how people hashtag all that. Anyway, NCSY takes to the streets at 800 Second Avenue this coming Sunday at 11 a.m. You could join them and be part of the uh, prayer service. Um, it, it, we're we're taking a look at the questions that are being asked on the NSN app. In fact, this <laughs> this listener wants to know what you think of the brand new app. But seriously, he writes, "What do you think uh, should be done besides davening for the boys?" This is something that you've emphasized already mm-hmm. in the last hour, in terms of contacting government officials and all the different rallies that should continue taking place. Um, can you tell me, this listener asks, if Senator Cory Booker has expressed anything about the kidnappings? Remember, he's now a United States senator here in New Jersey. Or is he following the president's lead? And we'll limit his comments to whatever the White House has said. Can we hope that the president is working behind the scenes in this whole situation? If we don't see public statements from the president, is it possible that work is being done in Washington behind the scenes to help an American citizen and his two colleagues in this situation? What do you think? Well, I do think things go on behind the scenes, uh, and that, as I said before, the Israelis have indicated that the cooperation between uh, the security and the um, military has been ongoing very good, but it's also been uh, uh, very strong uh, in this case. And um, uh, Cory Booker did issue a statement about the uh, the three, and I don't think that... Um, um, uh, you know, that people necessarily follow the president's lead uh, on issues. Uh, today, in fact, we see on both sides of the, so much independence on the part of the members of Congress, and, and they look at their own careers, their own constituencies. Uh, and the truth is that the relationship of the White House with the Congress has not been strong, and it was demonstrated uh, repeatedly. But uh, uh, Senator Booker, I know, did issue a statement on the on the three boys. This listener asks, what do you think about the possibility that this was a kidnapping ordered by Hamas from abroad rather than from Gaza? And as a result, 
not many of those arrested can really provide useful information. I'm not quite sure what the second point means. And is there a difference if this came from abroad or from within Gaza or anywhere within Israel? Well, the the orders had to come from from Hamas. It may have been that the Iran has, has urged them to escalate the violence. Uh, which is a major backer. Qatar is another major backer, but I don't know that they would have any particular interest, um, uh, although they are also backers of the ISIS, and if you want to divert attention, if you want to, you know, have if there are people with many agendas, as I as I try to point out in, uh, in, in uh, the Middle East today, very complicated and, and uh, difficult ones, but the orders uh, and the information would be local. So hmm. Israel's rounding up the people who could and should have the information, and hopefully they are uh, constantly uh, uh, aggrandizing all the information. Uh, I just don't want to say too much about it because hey, well, we don't know all the details, and what we know is not is, is not really uh, stuff for the press. There. Malcolm, remember all the discussion in this country about interrogation techniques, especially around the time mm-hmm. of the Bush administration? Is there that type of conversation in Israel? Do, do, do security forces in Israel and the intelligence services get criticized for uh, the way they uh, interrogate uh, those that they're trying to get information from? Is that an issue in Israel at all, or, or basically not? Certainly not in this case. Right. <laughs> Whatever's necessary. But the Supreme Court has issued rulings about it, like here. I mean, the Supreme Court is a very activist court in Israel, right. and they have issued rulings about detention, about uh, the length of detention without trial, about all aspects of this, including uh, interrogation. Reading from the NSN app, questions that are coming in, and I thank you, by the way. My team tells me that we're heading toward a record uh, for app use today, and I thank you for that. Uh, see, I can't do it myself, Malcolm. Uh, Jersey Fresh. We'll have our questions. Jersey Fresh adds another element to this. You just said how this whole situation is so complicated. They ask, on another subject, what do you think about reports that the U.S. may be working with Iran to combat the uprising in Iraq? Okay, it's a very good question, and, and we we haven't talked about Iran, which unfortunately is, is taken off the front burner because everybody's attention is now focused on, on Syria and ISIS and what's going on in Iraq, uh, and of course the three boys for us, but uh, the United States and Iran do not have common interests, and I think it sends a very bad message to a lot of our allies, not just Israel, but Saudi Arabia and others, the the fact is, I don't think it'll go very far. You have the Iran Revolutionary Guard General Head Soleimani in Baghdad now, and he's been there. You have uh, thousands of IRGC people. They don't admit to it, but there are. They've been there. They've been training. They've been working with Maliki. Maliki has essentially been a puppet of the Iranian regime, and uh, he is Shiite. And uh, the the uh, so, so Iran. People have tried to tout that, look, they can play a role. We have to cooperate because we have a common interest in stopping ISIS. Well, I think we will find out other relationships between Iran and the ISIS, for one thing. <laughs> Second of all, our common interests do not, as we see in Syria, as we see every else, coincide with Iran. Iran has its own objectives, and they they want to control at least this part of Iraq, they want to take it over. They want it to be part of the, the Shiite crescent, which we haven't talked about, but we see the growth of that through Iraq, Syria, Lebanon, uh, and and why uh, even Jordan could be an important part of that. So Iran's long-term objectives are not consistent with that of the United States. There are uh, there is very little, and and the more of a role you give the Iranians in Iraq, the more that you assure that there will be a lasting presence and influence. Um. Where am I here? 
<laughs> One listener asks, what keeps you going without being completely pessimistic about Israel's place as a target worldwide? And let me add to this, because another listener asked that Fox News, they heard, had said that the kidnapping is not news in the U.S. or Europe. Is that something that we can change? And I think the two might be related. It, 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 it's sometimes easier to be pessimistic when you know that the national or international media is not paying attention to what's important to us. You know, Jewish blood can be cheap. Uh, I, I, I think, though, that we have to look in this time at the other side, the, the half uh, cup that's full, uh, and that's the, the, the fact that so much of the world is paying attention. You know, people are being kidnapped all the time. People are dying in the tens, hundreds of thousands. There are 50 million people uprooted from their homes now. This is the greatest number since World War II. Who cares? Thousands of Christians kidnapped, killed, massacred, raped. Where's the response? These three boys have garnered international attention, and and it is because uh, Am Yisrael is behind it. It's because we are we do feel them to be our children, and other good people of goodwill have joined and expressed right. this concern, just as I have spoken out on the girls of Bach, uh, who are being held by in Nigeria by Boko Haram. Because I do think we have a responsibility, and once you, you allow these barriers to be broken down and children become uh, uh, fair targets and, and uh, you, you, you allow the indifference and the apathy to, to grow, what keeps me going is that I believe we can make a difference, and, and, and I believe we have no choice. I look at my children, my grandchildren, and I know that this is my responsibility to them and to future generations, and we will all be judged that if never again it's going to have meaning, it's not as a hollow rally call it's what we translated to make sure that all that we learn the lessons of the past that we apply it to today that we don't get lost in the past but that we learn the lessons both positive and negative and that's what judaism demands of us that's what it teaches us that's what all our chagim and throughout the year we are reminded of this in in the torah readings and other things our, our uh, celebrations Remind us, because we are rooted in the past. It's why they want to cut us off from the past, because they understand if you have no past, you have no future. Do you want to use this opportunity, maybe, and I apologize for interrupting, but the clock is not on our side. Do you want to use this opportunity, maybe, to tell some of the young people out there how dangerous it is uh, through social media to uh, write disparaging things about the president and first lady, for instance, or in general to, I don't know, spread outrageous statements or claims? It doesn't help the cause. I, I agree that that is important. And, you know, social media has become such a strong tool and it's a weapon. It's a weapon for good. It's a weapon for bad. We see how uh, is Islamic Jihad, how Hamas, how others are now using it, ISIS. They use it to recruit. They use it to teach people how to build bombs or you can teach, use it to educate. And we have a program called Rethink Israel. We have other programs that we're to utilize the social media for positive ends, to, to teach people the truth, to get the truth about Israel out, how Israel is, is changing the world, helping them with all the new medical inventions, all the new technology, the things that are post-harvest of, uh, in Africa, how much they want from them because of water reclamation, that Israel will be water independent, to tell the positive stories. And people who, who take it upon themselves to make judgments, Think about and have a little humility about how much information do you really have, do you really know. I'm not saying not to be tough. Believe me, I believe being tough, I believe in going to the streets when it's appropriate, but you have to know when to use it. You know, that, that Jewish political power is like a muscle. If you exercise it right, you build it up. If you abuse it, you destroy it. It's it's really a sacred thing, and we are fortunate to live in, in, in America. It's still a powerful country, the most powerful in the world, even if we don't exercise it all the time appropriately. And it gives us 
the ability and people look to us world leaders look to us what do they come to us for like you they don't we don't give them breakfast they come because we are important because Jews count today and we have to use that to promote what we believe will be the best for for Tikkun Olam for a different world for a world where where Jews will be safe when you see the anti-semitism in Europe and again all these subjects we didn't get to I mean, these should wake up people. We see things that remind us of the past, that in a single weekend, you can have five, six incidents of young people going to shul in Paris, what happened in Brussels, what happened in so many other places in Europe. So you can't be indifferent to this. And young people read history, learn the lessons. You know, we just published this book, which we we could talk about one day, about the shuls that were destroyed on what we right. call Pogromnacht, not Kristallnacht. Got some we nice are, we, coverage. And we are now rewriting the history of the Shoah because yeah. all of a sudden, 70 years later, we're learning the facts about 42,000 camps in, uh, of all kinds in Europe, about how much the Allies knew about what, and this, about 1,300 shuls destroyed on Kristallnacht. And there's no record in English until this, uh, these two magnificent volumes that were uh, finally published after 10 years of, of really arduous labor, primarily in Jerusalem. So young people... You can't say it is what it is. It is what you make of it. And I appeal to the parents. We've ignored our children. We don't educate them. Even those who go to the best yeshivas, they don't know. They don't know how to answer. And often the parents don't. So read dailyalert.org. Go to Jewish World Review. Go to other sources where you can get good information, positive information. Sign up for the Leadership Action Network that we have so we will send you information when there's actions that we are are suggesting there are good vehicles today, and that's how the Internet, the social Internet, can be used, social media can be used in positive ways. We have a minute left. I'm trying to get to as many of these as possible. Uh, and yes I, and no questions. That's yeah, cool. I apologize. One listener asks if there's an effective manner of keeping track of those who come into this country who are affiliated, quote-unquote, with the enemy. And, and we know what they mean by that. I, I understand. The, the answer is yes and no. There are There is attention being given to it. I've spoken many times to DHS, to others about it. They're obviously very concerned about those coming from Syria who are now trained killers and carry American passports and those from Europe. Uh, so the answer is yes, but we, we have uh, waived it. We have still have a lot of illegal immigration that we think it's Mexicans or others, but it's actually Arab, uh, there are also Arabs and Muslims who come. Hezbollah operates out of Mexico along our southern border. This is according to the testimony of the FBI at Congress. Uh, so I do not believe that we have a real uh, uh, ability yet to to limit 100%, but it's certainly something that they are conscious, conscious of, and more efforts have been made. And uh, a listener asks about the White House comment line. You mentioned the petitions earlier when you reach right. certain numbers. Is that comment line? And ju- nobody knows whether it's effective or not, right? It's a, even if the president just gets the record every day saying, 100,000 people called today and said they're concerned about these boys. It matters. Making your voice heard matters. Letting members of Congress who just need the encouragement because they, you know, they deal with so many issues that it's the squeaky wheel theory that, that they will pay attention to the thing that makes the noise. Simple as that. Malcolm, can't thank you enough. We'll pick up the weekly update next Friday morning, please, God. And thank you for being here this morning. And a big thank you. We should say what we always say. Listeners do have great questions. Right. Absolutely. Amazing. Uh, Time to say good Shabbos. Journeys on an Erev Shabbos at JM in the AM.